0: An October morning in a quiet suburb in a town in Scotland. A man is walking his dog when suddenly shots are fired from a car. The man falls to the ground and the car speeds off.
2: erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I study the secrets of the divine plagues and uncover the blasphemous truth that ours is not a loving God and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Redolf Buntwine wherever podcasts are available.
0: presents a Degas Media production, The Dark Tome. Season 1, Episode 8, featuring Trial Day by Tananarive Du.
2: Uh, where, are, uh, 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 where am I? Uh, not the ink pile anymore. No, no it's, a uh, uh, Monk's Place, uh, I'm guessing. all the windows are painted black. There's, um, uh, there he is, laid out on his bed, talking to himself.
1: Give me the blessing of sleep, keep the voices out of my head. Sweet sleep, take me, keep the voices out of my head. They're always here, always standing around my bed. Pale faces, gray faces, most of them are silent, they stand here and stare at me. And sometimes at their own faces on my skin. Danita King is here now. You see her? She isn't silent. She's one of the screamers. She loved being alive. She loved her kids. she fought so damn hard. Anita will scream like that every night for as long as I live. That was the price for her revenge, and we'd both been willing to pay it. God damn it. My name is Gerald Addison. Most people call me Monk. Tomorrow I'll get up, get washed, and maybe I'll spend the day chasing a bail skip. Or maybe a client will find me. I lay here at night and listen to the screams. And the night closes around me like a fist.
4: I've been asleep. Ow, my head. What day is it? Sunday? Sunday? Wasn't it Saturday? Or Friday? What? My phone's been blowing up. Missed call mom, 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 nine times?
0: Voicemail? Cassie, where are you? Did you know what you <sighs> did to Mark? eat Cassie, I'm serious. You've been gone now for 12 hours.
5: If you. Delete. Cassie, tell me where you are. I'm serious.
1: Mark's gone. I'm scared. I don't want to call
4: the police. Delete. <sighs> oh, look who's calling. <sighs> no thanks, Mom. I'm not in the mood to talk to you. Not now. Maybe never. <sighs> 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 I have to get up. See what's going on with. The... Mr. Gussie? Mr. Gussie! Maybe he's downstairs. Mr. Gussie? Oh. <laughs> oh, Mr. Gussie, are you okay?
2: Just just Rosie, Cassie.
4: You look like you're going to throw up. You went into the dark tome on your own again, didn't you?
2: Yeah, that's right. I met a hell of a fella, too. Hero type. I anti-hero. No matter. I'm back now.
4: I've been thinking. Uh, I think we need a break. A break? Uh, from the Dark Tome. What do you mean? Well, it was fun before. Scary, maybe, but I was learning things. I was getting away from my life. But now I feel like I'm getting too deep. That we might go into a story and not be able to find our way back out.
2: Well, I'd be lying to you if I said that had never happened. Well,
4: see? That's exactly my point. Now,
2: hold on, Cassie. I learned my lesson back then. We got too greedy. We were reckless. The dark tome is risky, I'll give you that. But you're also able to control it.
4: Control it?
2: How exactly do you control it? Remember, we were asking it questions before, right? Yeah. It can bring up stories that will speak to you, help you figure out the answer to those questions. You getting a call?
4: No one important.
2: Look, Cassie, I know what happened to you was scary. I understand that. But I'm asking, no? I'm pleading, Cassie. I need to find my wife and my kid. If there's any way to find them, it's going to be with the dark tome.
4: I don't really see how that's happening. All we find are demons that try to kill us. Angry ghosts are
2: creatures. And you're learning something from all of them, aren't you? You're getting powers. And once those powers are strong enough, you can call out to the book again. And maybe you'll hear my wife and my boy. You see what I'm saying?
4: Like I did with Nick and his dad... I'll be able to bring us to wherever they are now?
2: That's my thought. To be honest, I don't know for sure. I just know that if we stop trying, then I'll lose hope. And without hope, I... I. Fine, fine, Mr. Gussie.
4: We'll keep looking.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Cassie.
4: It's just, what's the next lesson we're going to learn?
2: I don't know. It's your turn now.
4: I I want to see the other side of magic. In all these stories, we've seen these monsters do things to people. I want to find someone who fights the monsters back.
2: That's your question? Yeah. The book is ready. It's got uh, a picture of of the Scales of Justice, I think. Except there's something heavy on the scales. Isn't there? I mean, oh God! Oh, there's a white hood, something hanging, something hanging from him. There's a boy, uh, oh. maybe
4: fifteen, sitting in the electric chair. He's, he's about to. They're going to. No. Maybe, maybe he's, maybe he's walking free. I, I, I can't tell. The, the image keeps shifting.
2: There's the name of the story right there.
4: Trial day. Trial day. What do you suppose that means?
2: I suppose we're about to find out. <gasps> <gasps>
4: where, where where, are we now?
2: I'll wager, we're in the, the Deep South, based on that big field of cotton over there. Thanks! Huh! July 20, 1927. Looks like a boy named Wallace Lee is going to stand trial today.
6: you folks talking about my brother?
2: Hi there. Sorry. We're just uh, passing through town. Newspaper says something about a trial.
6: That's right. Today is brother's trial day. What do you do? I'll tell you in a minute. Will you sit with me? Daddy's gone and Bernadette, she doesn't want to hear my story.
4: Uh Okay, sure. Sure. Oh, and, uh, I'm Cassie. Gussie?
6: I'm Letty. At least, that's what my brother calls me. Doesn't that sound sassier than Leticia? Leticia is what my daddy and stepmother call me. Uh, Letty, nice to meet you.
4: This is a very nice house. It's Daddy's house.
6: I live here with Daddy and my stepmother, Bernadette. Bernadette, she calls me Leticia, not Letty. She says nicknames are low-class. Daddy, he usually goes by whatever stepmother says. So brother calls me Letty in secret.
2: Does your brother live here too?
6: No, sir. Brother lives with his mama in Live Oak. That's a day's drive south of here in daddy's shiny new 1927 Rickenbacker. That's farther than most people I know have traveled in their whole lives. I don't get to see brother as often as I'd like. During the summers and sometimes for Thanksgiving... Brother can take a train, stay with us as long as two weeks. <laughs> he can sleep on our couch if he can manage to turn his long limbs into knots. He's only 15 now, but he's always been tall. A uh,
4: brother lives with his mama? Isn't she your mama too?
6: No. Brother and I, we have different mamas in different towns. Daddy never married either of our mamas, and all stepmother says is that the whole thing is a disgrace and that I ought to be ashamed as if I could be responsible for any of the doings in the world before I was born.
4: Yeah, my mom Max sort of like that too. If you got a good look at brother,
6: you'd know that his mama must be dark-skinned like my own, and judging by his long, thick eyelashes, she must have been pretty. Last summer, when he came and visited, he stood right here on this porch. He was nearly as tall as daddy and his voice had dropped to a lower register, and they just sat here on the porch, joking and laughing and having a conversation I wasn't allowed to listen to, like two grown men having a gay old time, not a father and son. I still remember the way they laughed, barking out into the night wind. I could hear them from my room, snuggled up into bed, and that sound seemed to surround the house, and I fell asleep with a smile, rocking in their happy noise. Listen and subscribe to the latest season of Undertow, The Harrowing, a Storyglass production presented by Realm, available wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Scott Sigler Slices is a fiction podcast with dark tales harvested from the mind of a number one New York Times best-selling author. Currently featuring Slay Season 2, a raunchy, monster-killing, anti-hero story that's Breaking Bad meets Buffy meets John Wick, with new episodes every Sunday. Season 1 is complete and waiting for you in the feed. Listen to Slay on Scott Sigler Slices with Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: So how'd all this business about the trial come about?
6: One morning I came downstairs for breakfast. Bernadette was at the kitchen table and she told me the news like she just read it in the paper. Your brother Wallace Lee got himself thrown in jail, Leticia.
5: Thrown in jail for armed robbery. That's what these young boys get for being so wild. Uh, they'll probably give that foolish boy the chair, robbing a white man like that. Your daddy took up with every tramp and hoodoo woman who looked his way. So, what else can he expect? What are you looking at me like that for? Go and eat your breakfast.
6: I was too scared for brother to be angry about Bernadette's insults. The chair is the electric chair at Rayford State Prison, where colored men are sent to grow old or to die if they ever take the seat on the chair. I'd never imagined I could know someone who got sent there. Those were the hard luck stories from people with hard luck lives. But my daddy, he's Richard Reeves. He has his own grocery store and a cotton farm. He owns this house. A house with two stories and three bedrooms on a 30-acre piece of land that had once been owned by slaveholders. Daddy and Cecil Johnson, who owns the colored mortuary, They're the two most envied men in the county. And Daddy's most envied because Bernadette is so much more light-skinned than Mr. Johnson's wife. When Daddy installed the new upstairs bathroom, all our neighbors flocked to the house because they were still using outhouses and they wanted to see with their own eyes how a colored man, right here on Percival Street, had a working toilet and bathtub upstairs in his house. In addition to the one downstairs.
2: Good for you, Daddy.
6: That's right. My daddy, he didn't have hard luck, so brother couldn't be sent to Rayford. At least, that's how I saw it. Daddy came to my bedroom that night, tried to comfort me.
3: The thing about your brother, that's just a misunderstanding, and it's being worked out. I'm sure Wallace leaves home by now.
6: You promise? Promise. Daddy didn't look me in the eyes when he said it, and I got a great, heavy feeling in my belly when I realized my daddy was lying to me. I'd never thought of Daddy as the kind of man who would lie to a stranger, much less to me. That's when everything in my world began to feel all wrong. It started with hearing about Brother's arrest. Hearing the lie in Daddy's voice had been the next. But the hardest, the worst wrong thing, was yet to come. I knew it. You knew it? I know many things. Mostly things I wished I didn't. My teacher calls me unusually perceptive. But Bernadette, she accuses me of mischief and lies. When she looks at me, all she sees is wickedness.
2: No, that can't be.
6: Is so... Despite my efforts to behave as well as I can at all times, Stepmother, she considers me the very living image of everything wrong in her life. I've known this since I was five, the first time Daddy brought me to live with him because Mama was too poor. Bernadette hated me right away, at first glance. I didn't know why, not then, but the hatred had been as plain as the moon in the sky. It came to me later. Bernadette hated me because I was proof that Daddy had known other women before her, and because she hated Mother and a strange woman's daughter when she could not have children herself. But knowing why hadn't made me feel any more welcome in this house. I only ever felt welcome when Daddy came home at night, when Bernadette locked most of her hatred for me away and concentrated on finding things to dislike about Daddy. I was afraid to enjoy anything about Daddy's beautiful house, because none of it was really mine. I could be sent away at any time, and I would hardly ever see Daddy if that happened, like it was before. When I came home with powders for Mama to slip into Bernadette's bathwater, I only did it because I wanted her to stop hating me so much. She tells you she hates you? Oh, she would never say these things aloud, not like an evil stepmother in a fairy tale. But she doesn't have to. Words are only part of what some people are. Usually the least important part. I can see right through people. As if they were standing before me naked. I can see right into people's
4: hearts. You ever see things you wished you hadn't? All the time. When I go to church, people avoid me.
6: People who steal from their bosses people who are mean to their children, people who are courting someone other than their husband or wife, they're afraid I might tell on them. One time, I'd said something that made the minister slap my face from the shock of hearing his business told. Now, I've learned to keep quiet.
4: Yeah, I could see why.
1: Uh Uh-huh.
6: My aunties and neighbors near Mama's house have theories about why I have the gift. They say I was born with a cow covering my face, which gave me the C and I, the third eye. Others say it's because my mama is a roots woman, and she tied a piece of high John the Conqueror root around my neck the moment I was born. I know things, and usually no one brings me only disappointment and trouble, so I don't like to think over the reasons why I have the gift. It brings me no joy, And with Brother in jail, I realized there would be no joy for some time. This problem with Brother was going to change everything. The problem with Brother was going to make every other problem seem small. And the problem with Brother would be up to me to fix in the
2: end. You? Why is it your problem to fix? That's for the court.
6: The court. (laughs) One afternoon when Daddy was at his store and Bernadette was taking a nap I went to the corner of the parlor Daddy used as his office with his oak roll top desk and electric lamp and stacks of papers in different piles I climbed up into Daddy's leather chair and surveyed the desk before I could decide exactly what I was looking for or at least where to begin the return address typed on a piece of mail caught my eye Live Oak, it said I brought it out to read by the sunlight stealing in beneath the drawn shade. The whole letter was typed, which told me it must be important.
4: Is that the letter you have there now? It is.
2: Can I read it? Here you go. Dear Mr. Reeves, regarding the matter of Wallace Lee Hutchins, I cannot impress upon you enough how urgent it is that you appear at the county courthouse at
3: 1 p.m. Friday, July twenty. Many cases like this one are disposed of in the blink of an eye, to the defendant's disadvantage. As an attorney for the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, the NAACP, I am investigating the rising number of very troubling capital cases in this county. Your son's case is one of an alarming pattern. Please allow me to be frank. Two eyewitnesses, including the shopkeeper, have told police they saw the two boys with a 22 caliber pistol at the time of the robbery. The witnesses, and the defendants, have quarreled in the past. So one party's word goes against the others. But since the witnesses are white, I don't have to tell you which version will have more credibility. Mrs. Kelly is fighting the charges against her son with all her soul. She was the one who contacted the NAACP. But I'm afraid she is in a similar position to your own son's mother. Both ladies are ill-respected in this community. Again, Mr. Reeves it is vital that you contact me as soon as possible to help me prepare your son's defense. My resources in this matter are limited, but I believe if the jury heard the testimony of a respected colored business owner in his son's defense, we may get a lesser sentence. You are his best chance. My great fear, sir, is that the prosecutor will seek execution. Two young men were executed earlier this year after being tried in very similar circumstances where a robbery was committed, but there were no injuries or fatalities. Armed robbery, it seems, is a capital offense for colored boys. Plainly put, I am asking you to help me save your son's life. I think we can both agree that if these two young men committed an armed robbery, and although they both maintain their innocence, it's very possible that they did. They deserve a severe punishment in the eyes of the law. They will go to jail for a long time as is only proper, but these are 16-year-old boys and neither deserves to die for the ignorant work of one night, especially not under a legal system that is a sham in a county where hunting colored men is virtually legal. There was a lynching not a mile from where I'm lodging the night I arrived, my first exposure to the heinous phenomenon, but it is your son's case that has been sent to the top of the docket. Please help me in this matter. I am trying to prevent another lynching. This one, in the courtroom. Oh,
4: my God.
6: That letter was the most important thing I'd ever found. After I read it, I understood it all. Brother and a friend had been charged with robbing a store with a gun. The shopkeeper and another witness who didn't like Brother claimed Brother and his friend had a gun, and it was Brother's word against theirs. The court was rushing to take the case to trial, and they would probably ask for the chair. A lot of colored people have been getting the chair lately, and the problem is so bad that a National Association for Colored People came to see about it. And if Daddy didn't go, Brother might die. It was all so plain to me. It was as if I'd known the whole story the first time Bernadette told me that Brother was in jail. The letter said the trial was going to start on July 20th. I hadn't thought about what day of the month it was because there was no reason to track time in the summers. But then I checked the kitchen wall calendar and learned it was Tuesday, July 17th.
2: And that's why the paper says...
4: Yes. And you learned about all this three days ago? That's right. And so what did you do? I waited until dinner.
6: You're going, aren't you, Daddy? Going where? What are you talking about?
3: She ain't talking about nothing.
6: Aren't you going to brother's trial? Letitia. Richard
3: Washington Reeves. Now come on, Bernadette. Don't start up again. We're sitting to a pleasant meal.
5: We settled that, Richard. You promised.
3: Yes, we settled it. Of course we did. Pay Letitia no mind.
6: But you are going, aren't you, Daddy? If you don't, brother could die.
3: Lord Jesus help me. That's enough, Letitia. You come on with me right now.
6: No, Daddy. Daddy, no, I just asked. Now. I'm sorry for what I said, Daddy. You're not going to hit me, are you?
3: Have you been into my mail?
6: Yes, sir. But I only wanted to know about brother.
3: Well, I'm very sorry you did that, Leticia, because that letter was not meant for your eyes. That letter was from a lawyer from New York who's just trying to scare us so we'll do what he says. He hasn't lived down here, and he doesn't understand my position. He's asking me to do something I can't do, and I want you to put it out of your head. Your brother got himself in some trouble so he'll probably go to jail but I sent some money and he'll be just fine
6: daddy he says you have to go oh brother will get the chair daddy looked scared now the way he looked the night he brought his hunting rifle out of the closet because a strange car was driving slowly past our house after dark some people were jealous of him he said some white people and jealousy was apparently something to fear There was a bead of sweat on the bulb at the end of his nose. And he could barely make himself keep his brown eyes fixed on mine.
3: You're too young to take all this in, Letitia. You can't believe everything somebody says just because it's typed on a piece of paper. That lawyer's job is to help your brother. But I'm not a lawyer. And I'm no help to him. And besides that, there's no chance they'll give Wallace Lee the chair. He didn't kill nobody.
6: The letter said... What
3: did I just tell you about believing everything that's typed on a piece of paper? That's a spook story he wrote in that letter. That's so I'll do what he says.
6: But why won't you, Daddy? You have a car. You could just drive there.
3: (sighs) Nothing's that simple, little princess. Wallace Lee's mother and me knew each other a long time ago. She shamed herself in that town in ways that have nothing to do with me. And if I get all tangled in this mess, running off to a courtroom where there's newspaper reporters and such, then I'll be shamed, too. A businessman can't afford to be shamed. All a colored man has in this world is his name, Letitia. And besides that, there's no use in me going up there to stir up trouble. The Klan runs that county. And there's Klan in this county, too. People in a place to make life very hard for all of us. Now, my heart aches for Wallace Lee. But I've seen how such things come out in the end, and it wouldn't do any good for any of us. I would make the situation worse. Far worse.
6: As I stared up at Daddy in that instant, he shrank in my eyes. Although he was still three feet taller than me still, with thick arms and thighs as solid as the trunk of an oak, he began to look very small. The way he looked to me when Bernadette chased him from one corner of the house to the other with her sharp tongue. His shoulders wincing with every blow. It's cause of Bernadette, isn't it? She don't want you to go! Mind your tongue, child!
3: <laughs> Leticia, don't you dare put that magic eye on me, gal. You best learn to stay out of grown people's business. I've made my decision and that's the last I have to say about it. Now you get yourself to bed.
6: So weak, Daddy. You look big and strong, but you're weak through and through.
3: You, For pointing out what
6: was obvious? I learned long ago that the truth makes people angry. And to speak it was considered evil.
2: Ain't that the truth.
6: I walked the half-mile's distance on an unpaved road to see Mama. Whenever I went to Mama and cried about how mean Bernadette was to me, Mama knew how to fix it. She knew which powders, which doll, and which combinations of roots bone and blood would make Bernadette more humble, more tolerable, more kind. Bernadette never got completely quiet, something I'd wished for often, but after a good ritual or two, I noticed I had two or three weeks in a row when Bernadette did not say a single unkind thing to me. That was all the proof I needed that Mama's magic worked. Letty, what troubles you? Brother, Mama. He get himself into some trouble? Yes, and Daddy won't help. Tell me the story, dear. I told her everything that had happened. Starting with the morning, Bernadette told me the news, all about the letter, about what happened at dinner. When I finished, Mama clucked her tongue and sighed.
5: Oh, that man, that man... (coughs) Well, don't nothing change. Always too scared of what people think.
6: I think it's because of Bernadette.
5: Well, shoot, we know that. What ain't the fault of that devil
6: woman? Do a spell, Mama. Make it so Bernadette will say Daddy can go save brother. Make her go out ahead or get her real sick or... No, we ain't gonna kill
5: her. I see you thinking it. I remember that time we made her little doll. You twisted the leg and Bernadette fell off a horse next day. You <laughs> <laughs> can't do no more, Letitia. We hexed that woman five, six times. I told you that kind of magic comes back on you. Oh. She got protection. And she's coming back strong, strong now. Nah, child, we mess with any bad juju now, and you brother's going to die.
6: Brother's gone die. Those three words turned my blood cold. The spirits is playing tricks.
5: Somebody got a curse on that house, and we got to do a higher ceremony. Oh. I think it's got to be you, because your blood kin to your brother. You need a sacrifice ritual, Letty. You seen me bleed chickens, and that's what you got to do. But if you want the message to get across, don't use a chicken. That might not get what you want quick enough. Use your black cat.
6: My cat? Midnight?
5: Letty, I know you love that cat. But you'll make the spirits listen if you bleed something you love. You see how I keep my bleeding chickens apart from my stewing chickens? I treat them special. And I had to do this, too, when I was your age. I won't. Then you don't want to save your brother, do you?
6: My stomach hurt as I thought of brother's row of smiling teeth. Brother was in a cage somewhere, and soon he would go to the chair. Daddy will go see about him.
5: Child, your daddy ain't going nowhere. I know your daddy. I know him. If he was gonna go, he'd have gone from the start. He would have been there and back. Nothing can keep that man from something he wanna do. And nothing can not change his mind, neither. Bernadette's got him stuck being wrong-headed to let his own boy die. There's ways for women to get a hold of men until they can fight. And that's how Bernadette's got him. And she was too strong for me, child. Else you and me both would be living in your daddy's fine house, wouldn't we?
6: No. Bernadette, she can't be more powerful than you, Mama.
5: This is one of them times you got a choice, Letty. You can do what you want and hope things don't turn out wrong. Or you can do what you know will make things right. (sighs) If you can't do it, do it clean and quick, like you see me. When the blood's spilt, say this prayer. Spirit, release my daddy and give him strength to fight the curse and do it at midnight. See how you named that cat, like you known it from the start. Mama'll come bring you a new cat someday.
6: By myself?
5: Just take the cutout back to your daddy's barn. Do it quick. Take this knife. Just the size for midnight. Letty, go and thank you, mama.
6: Thank you, mama. <laughs> I wish I'd never been born. (laughs) I don't remember my walk home. I don't remember what happened the rest of the day. You took the knife? Mama had rolled it up in a handkerchief and I held it against me. It seemed to burn. I told Bernadette I didn't feel well. That was true and I sat on my bed, stroking Midnight's velvet soft fur, rubbing my chin against the top of his head while his purrs seemed to fill my ears. As much as I hated to believe Mama's words, I knew their truth. Daddy had made up his mind, and he would not go see about Brother on his own, and Brother most certainly would die without Daddy's help. If there was a curse on my house, like Mama had said, then the curse on the town where Brother was in jail was a hundred times bigger. A hundred times stronger. It was a curse that had touched many families already. The trial day would ruin everything. I could see it, clear as day. If Brother went to the chair, Daddy would be a changed man, The bourbon bottle he kept hidden in the pantry for special occasions would become his constant companion. Bernadette, full of her own guilt, would be more hateful than ever, and I would grow to despise them both. For all my life I would judge men as weak and act accordingly, learning from the lesson of Daddy and Bernadette. But though I might hate them, I would imitate them all the same. I knew these things as sure as I knew my name. I felt my future unfolding like a clear-minded dream. It was so imminent, poised with terrible ease, that I marveled that Daddy and Bernadette couldn't see it too. But they couldn't. If they could, Daddy would have left for the trial by now. Oh, midnight. In Sunday school... I studied Judas Iscariot, the betrayer, and the thought made me cry harder. Midnight wasn't the same as Jesus, of course, but he trusted me. For the past year, since Daddy said I could keep the cat who planted himself on our doorstep, I had taken care of Midnight, and he had taken care of me. How could I kill a creature that loved me? But then, I remembered Abraham and Isaac from the Old Testament. God told Abraham to sacrifice his son, but in the end, it was only a test. Just like Abraham, I only had to show my willingness to do what Mama said, and God would provide another way to save brother. Or maybe this was the only way, and Midnight was going to make a sacrifice like Jesus had, to save another soul. By sunset, I'd made up my mind. I have to do it, Midnight. Maybe God will save you. But even if he doesn't, you can save brother. I know you can. What's that? You're saying yes? You are, aren't you? You understand it all. And it's perfectly fine with you. Thank you, Midnight. I went into Daddy's room and got his gold pocket watch so I could make sure I could do what I needed to just as soon as the tall hand and the short hand pointed to twelve. Then I got a dish of milk and laid it out in the barn for midnight and brought him out. He was happy to be in the barn at first. I enjoyed watching him drink almost laughing at the slurping sound he made and the sloppy droplets of milk dotting his whiskers. Midnight was two parts cat and one part hog, Daddy always said. The thought made me smile through my tears. And with that thought, I felt my resolve melting. I wanted nothing more than to scoop Midnight into my arms and run back to bed before I got caught outside the house. Then... I remembered that wonderful sound of Daddy and Brother laughing on the porch. How that sound had you lulled did. me to sleep. <laughs> you didn't. I remembered <laughs> how Brother called me Letty. How he hugged me and said he loved me every time he came to stay, never tugging on my hair or teasing me the way my friends' older brothers did. I looked at the watch. Only two minutes until midnight. How had the time gone so fast? "'God, please let Midnight forgive me for what I'm about to do. "'And please, let this just be a test, "'so you will stop my hand at the last moment. "'And please don't let Midnight die. "'But if Midnight has to die, "'please let his sacrifice stop the curse "'so Daddy will go look after Brother and keep him safe.'" My prayer gobbled up a full minute. With as heavy a heart as I had ever known, choking me so much my head felt light. I realized it was time. I unrolled the handkerchief and took out the tiny, shiny knife Mama had given me. I tried it on my finger. It was razor sharp. It was time to hold Midnight tight and feed his blood to the spirits. Midnight? You're not going to like this. I need to pick you up and hold you still. (laughs) I thought about the task. Not about Midnight himself. Or else with all his thrashing and complaining, I might feel sorry and forget what was at stake. Daddy was weak, so I needed to be strong. And that was that. Midnight fought me, wriggling like mad to get loose. He freed his front paw and slashed me, and that made me mad. And the anger helped. I clamped my knees around him and hooked one arm around his middle, tight. My palm was slick with sweat, but I kept a firm grip on the knife and raised it to Midnight's throat. Mama always wanted to use the throat. I wanted to close my eyes, but couldn't. I poked and then slashed with the knife, quickly. And even though the cut wasn't nearly deep enough, I was amazed to see the ribbon of blood seep through Midnight's fur, right above his tiny collarbone. I watched, fascinated, as two fat crimson drops of blood fell to the dusty barn floor at my feet. I kept my grip around the cat, and was about to let go when I realized I had almost forgotten to say the prayer. Spirit, please help lift the curse and make my daddy strong so he will go see about brother.
3: What in the great red hell are you doing?
6: (laughs) I thought it might be God's voice at first, before I realized it was only daddy. He was standing in the doorway of the barn, Wearing only his trousers. His chest was heaving up and down. His face was a combination of rage and shock. A kind of shock I'd never seen on my daddy's face before.
3: Leticia. What are you doing?
6: Mama said. She said to... Sacrifice.
3: Mama said to... What?
6: Daddy fumbled for his belt before he realized he wasn't wearing it. He was angry. He wanted to beat me. Beat me in a way he'd never beaten me before. (sighs) Mama said if I sacrificed midnight, I'd break the curse and you would go see about brother. See the blood, Daddy? I had to bleed midnight. But I did it for brother, Daddy. I did it so you'd go to the trial.
3: You did what?
6: Daddy stared at my pointing finger, then back at my face, then back at my finger. And then his own face seemed to transform. The only light was the dim lantern I'd brought with the bowl of milk. But Daddy's face wasn't the same anymore. The only word for it, really, was haunted. He cradled his abdomen as if a grown man had kicked him in the stomach hard. We have to save brother, Daddy. Daddy rocked in place, like he did when he'd had too much to drink. Then he took a lurching step and turned so he was no longer facing me. One step at a time, he walked away. He did not look at me or speak to me. I saw him climb the steps of the back porch and he was back inside the house. He left the back door wide open. Bernadette wouldn't like that, I thought. All the mosquitoes could come in. Midnight? Midnight! I called for midnight for a long time. Oh, midnight. I finally heard him growling somewhere oh. out in the bushes near the cotton patch. But he would not come back to me. Maybe he would never come back, I realized. But this time... I did not cry. I washed my bloody scratches clean in the kitchen sink, blew out the lamp, and climbed the stairs to go into my room. Daddy's door was closed, but I could hear Bernadette's voice through the door wide awake. Richard,
5: was has got into you? Talk to me. I said, talk to me, goddammit. You put that suitcase down, you hear me? Do you know what time it
6: is? I stole into my room and shut the door. I tore off every piece of clothing I was wearing, even though my body was shaking. I climbed into my bed under the covers, seeking sanctuary while my breathing came hard and deep from my lungs. I had a headache. The memory of midnight's blood on the knife had made my stomach twist, and I was afraid I would be sick. As I lay there, I remembered I'd left Daddy's pocket watch lying on the barn floor next to Bernadette's bowl from the kitchen. They would be mad about that. I wanted to go and fetch them, but I couldn't move from where I lay. My eyes were closed tight, but in my third eye, what Daddy calls my magic eye, I could see Daddy leaving his room wearing his best brown suit and white shirt with his brown Sunday derby. He was wearing the clothes that told everyone that he was Richard Reeves, a business owner. And he was not a hard-luck sort of man. Richard, you aren't thinking clearly.
5: Do you know what they'll do to an uppity yellow Negro who thinks he can just walk in there and have a say? Think of it. Richard! Don't be a fool! Don't get your name mixed up in this mess! That boy is gonna be all right. You aren't taken. What about your family? What about me and Letitia? I swear to Jesus, if you don't stop this foolishness, I won't be here when you get back. Richard! 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 Don't do this! I love you!
6: Bernadette's professed love just sounded like the same old hate to me. No matter, I'd bled midnight and the curse was broken. Daddy's ears belonged to himself again, and he had his strength back. I closed my eyes, smiling. The sound of that purring engine as it drove away was as sweet as the memory of you Daddy's didn't. laughter with <laughs> Brother on the porch that night. <laughs> you didn't. As sweet as Christmas morning and as gentle as the stinging of Mama's loving hands when she pulled my hair into tight plaits between her knees, the way only Mama really knew how. And then, my magic eye, it stopped working. Brother's future was blurry and far away. Not for me to know. All I knew for sure was that Richard Reeves was on his way to the trial in his good suit to try to save Brother. And that knowledge would last me as long as I would live. That was last night? That's right. Daddy's off to defend Brother. It's trial day.
2: Letitia, Who you talking to? That must be your stepmother, Bernadette.
4: She's still here, but her words don't work on me anymore. Thanks, Letty, for telling us your story.
2: Yes, and, uh, and good luck at the trial. I hope brother goes free.
6: You best be going now. I still got some prayers to say. My magic eye is not working, but God still listens to prayers, don't he? Yes, Letty.
4: I'm sure he does. <sighs>
0: You've been listening to The Dark Tome, a Degas Media production presented by Realm, produced by Fred Greenhalge and William DeFries. Full cast and crew credits, behind-the-scenes photos, and transcripts at thedarktome.com. That's thedarktome.com.